Welcome to the BS Cast, the newly relaunched BS Cast. Of course, we have all of the previous episodes available on the feed, so you can hear where the show has been, where it's come from, and where it's going. And uh, that's quite important because today is the uh, the first episode of what will be six episodes, where we're going to be reviewing Loki, which is currently ongoing on Disney Plus. Joining me today, as always, when we talk about anything Marvel, is Mr. Tyler Moliterno. How are you, Tyler? How are you, Dave? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. I'm very excited. Uh, We've got a lot of stuff to cover today. Obviously, we will get to Loki, but there's a few things I wanted to hit up first because, uh, you know, the world we live in, there is more than one thing announced at a time, and it is E3 at the moment, but we're not going to be uh, looking at video games today. What I wanted to talk about today, very briefly, was... uh, Two or three trailers that have released in the last week or two. I don't know if Tyler has seen them, but I'm going to send him a link for them one after the other now. And uh, if he's seen it, then we can talk about it directly. If he's not seen it, then I will seamlessly edit to a point in the future where he has. And uh, (laughs) we'll talk about uh, what he thinks about it, what I thought about it and all that. So I'm going to send you the first link right now, Tyler. And it will be in the Skype chat. Just click on that if... uh, if you want, and have a little look. And this one is very short. <laughs> so have you have you heard of this yet? <laughs> I have heard of this. I had not watched this trailer yet. Oh, but man. I'm already almost done because it's very short. It is it? very short. It's very, very short. Not much. Mostly just the names and a little bit of animation. Yeah. Yeah, this this is DC League of Super Pets. It is. And like I, I don't know about you, Tyler, but I'm gonna go go straight off the bat. The thing that I love this about this above all else, and I'm including the cast in this because it's a great cast, is the return of that wonderful John Williams Superman march from the mm-hmm. original Superman movies, the Dick Donner movies. Um it just I there's something about that music that just gives me goosebumps. And I don't know if it's because growing up, like Superman was like the superhero movie that I watched incessantly. But I love this idea. This whole idea of a, a super league of pets, because the super uh, the, the um the the Marvel Justice League, um, rather, does have a history of pet sidekicks, whether it be Crypto, who is front and center in this particular trailer. Or um, there's also Ace, uh, the Wonder Hound, I think he was called, who is uh, a Batman uh, pet. Um, He actually had, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there was a brilliant one shot in the the, the Tom King run of Batman where they looked into the past of Ace the Wonder Dog, how he came to be uh, a member of the Batman family. And it is massively heartbreaking, but at the same time, just absolutely wonderful. Basically, he was this mistreated animal. Uh, I think he was in a a dog fighting ring and um, he was rescued by Batman. And then Alfred essentially just over the course of months nursed him back to health. He regained his trust in mankind because of Alfred. And um, it's just freaking wonderful it was either dog fighting ring or he was one of uh a bunch of jokerfied um dogs that joker had uh used to try and kill p- 
people. I can't remember exactly. It's been a while since I read it, but it was wonderful. But yeah, I, I love this trailer. It, it's really short. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is very noticeable as the lead name on this cast. Uh, there is another name on this, though, that uh, I wanted to mention. Uh, you probably noticed it right at the bottom there, Tyler. Uh, uh, yes, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I mean, those two alone just make it a, a, a brilliant cast, which I I absolutely have to watch this movie when it comes out in 2022. Um, any any thoughts about this other than, than what uh, you kind of already said at the very beginning and, and what I've... Uh, or maybe you'd like to chime in and, and, and concur with, with any of the stuff that I've said? I don't know. So we've got... The trailer is basically... It's just a series. It's a little bit of uh, of crypto. And then you get um, a bunch of names, but only two you get along with characters. So Dwayne Johnson will be playing crypto, and then Kevin Hart is playing Ace. Mm. I, I personally find it interesting that this is Kevin Hart's uh, <laughs> second animated pet franchise. But yep. um, yeah, and then you've got... Uh, John Krasinski, Kate McKinnon, Vanessa Bear, uh, Natasha Leone, and uh, Diego Luna, and Keanu Reeves. Yeah, so yeah. that's a fun cast. That's it's, a good. That's a good group of people. It, it, is Kevin Hart just Dwayne Johnson's favorite person on the planet? Damn, I didn't even think about that. This is like the fourth movie they've made together. <laughs> no, it's it's like they're this acting double act, which I just can't ever see being separated fully. Like at some point, Kevin Hart's going to turn up in a Hobbs and Shaw movie. I'm sure of it. You know, it's, uh, did you see Hobbs and Shaw? Oh shit! Did he turn up in it? He did indeed. Oh man, I completely that that completely went out of my head. I have seen it, but <laughs> yeah, I, I've it. forgotten that he was in it. Oh my god! <laughs> he he appears like halfway through. He's like this, like uh, he's like this. Um, uh, what, what's it called? The uh, flight marshal on an airplane, and he and he like That's interrupts right. them, and yes. then they call him back later, and he comes back in it. Oh, and it I really forgot. set him up to seem like if they were going to do another Hobbs and Shaw, that he might be a part of the team again. I, they really like. Oh, holy shit! He's the Joe Pesci of the franchise. Yeah. Oh man, I completely they must forgot really about like that. working together. Yeah, I, I imagine they do. They do. Stuff together. I imagine they do because didn't they do? Um, they did Jumanji as well, didn't they? And yeah, man, so they've done both yeah. Jumanjis. They did uh, Central Intelligence. They did this. They did Hobbs and Shaw. Good Lord Almighty. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Hart, seemed, he, he strikes me as being like a really fun guy to work with anyway. Um, People seem to really like working with him. Uh, yeah. Like he works a lot, but he also like, you know, he seems like he's got people that like working with him. So And Kate McKinnon's uh, in it him. as well. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's going through my head now. I'm trying to figure out who they're going to be. And I'm wondering, there's probably going to be a few that might be invented for this, but I'm certain that Ace and Crypto aren't the only two pets that the uh the justice league have in their group i'm just i'm struggling to think of any others right now never mind it doesn't matter i'm really looking forward to this um and it's uh warner brothers animation which i think has been doing a pretty good job the last couple of years god's work i think some people would call it uh yeah mm -hmm. warner brothers really have been knocking it out of the park and on generation animation which is another podcast that we're uh both parts of uh i imagine most people listening to this are probably aware of generation animation let's be honest mm -hmm. um we have talked about how uh warners have, have really been closing that gap with the likes of disney pixar and and you know uh we talked about sony in this position as well how sony really right. are closing that gap well it's it's funny the funny thing about this whole race is that 
it felt like it seemed off the back of Lord and Miller. And then mm. it maybe moved a little bit away that Warner Brothers was was slowly turning out these like really, really good. You had like obviously the first Lego movie. You had Lego Batman, which I thought was fantastic. And then you had like uh, Storks, which I also thought was really great. Uh, and then yeah, you had was. a couple of other movies it and it seemed like, oh, they're really moving in a good direction. And then uh, Sony seems to have like turned on the super boost because <laughs> yep. they weren't even on the radar but now they after Mitchells and the machines and um and spider-verse they seem like they've like already like caught up to them and it's maybe even slightly above warner brothers it's crazy i, I think it's just a matter of getting the right people in place in the right positions you know um yeah. and, and there are so many talented studios and animators out there uh that i i think normally it's just a case of just getting one or two key appointments right, getting the, the right writers in, um, and and then you can really take off. And the right franchise, let's be honest. Like, Spider-Man was absolutely a franchise which was poised to shoot them to the moon if they got it right, and they did. They got it absolutely right, and they've just done nothing but hit after hit after that. So, yeah, I, I think that um, the, the it's looking good for, uh, for the world of animation. Uh, speaking of the world of animation i have another uh, video for you here and i don't know if you've seen All this right. one yet um but i will put it in the chat now and uh, let's see what you make of this time after time you try to take this castle but you will never succeed skeletor call your champion So, Masters of the Universe Revelation got an official trailer, and man, Tyler, what do you think? I, I think it looks interesting. I this is Kevin Hart's, not Kevin Hart, we Kevin Smith, about Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got it mixed up. Kevin Smith. Um, this is his TV adaptation for Netflix of He Man, and I. I'm really rooting for this because I like uh, Kevin Smith a lot, mm. but I think his last couple of movies have been pretty bad. And so I'm hoping okay. that maybe this is a like a nice like uh, pivot in his career and he gets things back on track because I like him a lot and I mm -hmm. want him to succeed. 
but uh, his last his movies have been critically and financially not very successful the last couple of uh, years now, and I, I want him to get back on track. So I hope this is good. It looks like a lot of fun. It it is a shame. Um, like I've I've enjoyed his movies, but I I think that most people would agree, including myself, that he's not necessarily at the point in his career that he once was. Like he's not at the height of his powers. But he actually, on a, a recent episode of Postmortem, he actually talked about this and said. Look, if I don't make Kevin Smith movies, nobody's going to make Kevin Smith movies. And right. he he kind of got the whole thing of his system out of his system where he was like, no, I have to be a director. I have to um, do these things, you know. And he'd made some great movies that were outside of his wheelhouse, like uh, Red State. And mm-hmm. he tried doing the big box office cop out and that didn't really work out for him. Although I watched it and enjoyed it. Um, and he's kind of gone back to the well of making movies for himself now. Um and I, I think if you're a devotee to Kevin Smith, you don't necessarily care if it's a, a triumph of of art. You just want to have a good time and laugh at all of the, you know, the ball jokes. And, and that's kind of like where I am with it. It's like, no, I, I watch Kevin Smith movies to have a good time. That being said, whenever Kevin Smith has done something where he's taken an existing property and he's adapted it, I feel like he's always done justice to the original um content uh for example he did a green arrow and a batman um run uh for dc a while ago quite a while ago now um and they were both superb he was criticized for making out that batman peed himself when he set off an explosive charge on a wall uh but actually if you look at how uh how how things work biologically um the pressure from from an explosion could cause you to lose bladder control, and this was like during year one of Batman, so he wasn't like the Dark Knight, the you know the 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 man that came to be feared in the streets of Gotham. He was in his early stages at that point. Um, I, I tell you what really stood out to me about this trailer: it's the music again. I, I mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're on a similar vein here, but I tweeted about this when I first saw it, and the moment the trailer starts you can kind of you pick out that the music isn't your standard like masters of the universe he-man music it's something different and then the notes start coming (laughs) thick and fast and you're like wait a minute is that bonnie tyler and it freaking is bonnie tyler by the way it's yeah bonnie tyler holding out for a hero the greatest song ever used to to elevate a movie from kind of bland to pretty fucking decent and i'm talking about short circuit 2 here um i i love the end scenes of short circuit 2 where they bust that music out shrek, shrek 2 shrek did it as well yeah shrek are really good for like barracuda was a good one that they used as well for one of them I, I think i think when shrek 2 bust out holding out for a hero it's like a show-stopping moment in that movie yeah yeah i would agree i would agree because that's where the um i can't remember her name is the fairy godmother is singing it isn't yeah. she yeah. She's like performing it and then they're cutting back to the action. And it's a, that's it's right. a from what I remember, because it's probably been a while since I've seen Shrek 2, a really fun, uh, a fun performance and a mm. fun action sequence. And yeah. it just is really, it's got this epic scale. It's like the best, I think. Uh, I would say it's the best way that those those movies use that jukebox musical style mm. where it's a bunch of, of, of known songs that are in the movie. Uh, that I kind of think is the best 
use of it because it really oh. it's like in in the world of the movie they're actually doing the song they're actually performing it yeah and they're cutting the action to it really well i mean i just it's great they do a really good I, I i will not be swayed from my opinion that short circuit 2 used it the best but i think that that just comes from a nostalgia uh, viewpoint um also from a from an actual from an actual jukebox musical that's also in uh footloose the musical as well which uh, i think now that's very, something uh, i've not watched so I'll, I, I will have to uh, bow to your uh, expert opinion on that because uh, you are definitely more uh, aver- uh not averse what am i talking about you're more versed <laughs> in i'm averse you're versed uh in in the world of musicals so i'm not averse to musicals i just haven't watched as many as uh, as you have as, yeah. as part and of I've, your I've, I've vocation directed and been in a lot of them. exactly so that's what I've i was saying a couple of times and yeah uh it's got a bunch of those great 80s hits in it and that's a big one it's a lot of fun mm. but um back to this masters of the universe trailer like i don't know how familiar you are with he-man masters of the universe in general um not a lot honestly uh this wasn't like i don't think he-man was super popular when i was growing up mm. uh because i think it really was like uh kind of like a uh 80s tail end of the 80s kind of is when it was at its peak um so i didn't really it's not like i didn't know who he-man was i don't know how much he-man stuff i was like consuming as a kid um go ahead sorry i I love she-ra yep and this feels like this is much more of a, a straightforward um not adaptation directly it seems like it's doing its own thing it's called revelation and it seems like it's maybe doing something a little bit more interesting than just doing he-man um but uh i would say the animation style and the way it looks it's it's definitely feels more uh like traditional idea of he-man than like how Mm. she-ra i think was a very interesting take on that it wasn't very uh very much a straightforward adaptation of the original yeah it, it's a it's a, a much more faithful adaptation and i think the main reason for that is that uh, kevin smith has already mentioned this uh this is actually a continuation of the original tv show so it's not a uh, a redo it's not a reboot it's not an adaptation as such visually it is an evolution of the original series but it does very much follow in the canon of the original show although with slightly more adult themes because the intended audience for this is really kind of like my age bracket like you know late 30s onwards um i wasn't massively into he-man as a kid although i did have battle cat and uh, a he-man action figure um and i i wanted to be into he-man but it just wasn't on tv enough for me to be able to watch it but uh, i have to say like the character designs for this um they really do tap into the nostalgia big time like a lot of these characters look spot on whether it's man at arms or beast man skeletor himself looks amazing um the the most liberty has actually been taken with prince adam and he-man himself um where he looks a lot more like the version that they tried to make in the early 2000s uh there was a reboot of he-man that uh, some people will be aware of that didn't really fare so well and again we have talked about this on generation animation briefly um it, it didn't do so well, but it had some really good things about it. And one of the things that was really good about it was the the retcon design of He-Man and the Sword of Power and things like that. And they've they've taken what worked and what didn't, and they've managed to fit it into this. But 
man, this this looks amazing, but I'd be lying if I said that my excitement came from anywhere else other than the fact that they absolutely nailed uh, holding out for a hero in this tra- yeah. in, in this trailer. It's perfect. It's one minute twenty two of pure nostalgia and goosebumps, and I absolutely love it. It's superb. Um, yeah, there- and I'm rooting for again. I'm rooting for Kevin Smith. I like him a lot. Mm. I like him a lot as just somebody who, not necessarily as a critic. But as somebody as a, who's a fan who enjoys things and likes talking about things, I think his uh, – I like to listen to his reviews of, of each of the Marvel movies as they – or the Marvel movies and the Marvel TV shows yeah. that he does just because he's like – he knows a lot about the comics and he's just a huge fan of it and he likes things and it's fun to hear him talk about stuff that he likes. Uh, he he's did a effusive. show for Hulu that yeah. I thought was really fun and such a cool idea that only lasted about a season, but it was called Spoilers. And the whole show was that he would invite like an audience of like a hundred or so people um, and they would go to Universal City Walk in Hollywood and they would all go see the latest movie that came out. And then they'd walk across the street where he had his like little podcast studio set up. And then he did this TV show where they all just talked about it. <laughs> I remember uh, him talking about that. And he maybe had a that. guest yeah. from the movie to do an interview. And then they would like just give their review and he would ask the audience what they thought of it. And it was just a really fun show. Like I really loved hearing like these real people and Kevin Smith just kind of gush about this movie or, or and talk about how much fun it was. Mm. It was great. Yeah, no, I remember that. Um, I, I never watched it because uh, it's hit and miss whether you get American TV shows in the UK. But I remember him talking about it a lot when um, it was happening on his podcasts, of which I am a devotee. Like I will listen to Smodcast and uh, Fat Man Beyond and uh, you know things like that. And he's very effusive and uh, very optimistic about the things he talks about. Like he he will mention like he's got no time to hate on something. He just wants to talk about what he liked about it and be positive about it and that probably comes in part from the fact that he has been shit on a lot by critics over the years and uh, he probably knows what it feels like to just you know click onto something and find people just lambasting it left right and center um there is one more thing that i wanted to talk about with you and uh, i i haven't got a link for it right now although i do have one that i can send you uh, but I feel like you especially would have already watched this trailer because of certain affiliations to certain sporting uh, teams. Have you seen the Space Jam A New Legacy trailer yet? Yes, I have. Good stuff. So we don't have to link you to that one. I didn't have much interest in watching this. And then I think it was around about the point that Wiley e. Coyote brings out the multiplier machine and gets shot into the air and he holds up multiple signs saying this didn't go as planned or something to that effect, that I was just like, oh man, they nailed it, didn't they? I'm going to have to watch this. Um, I like the CG models as well. I think they look really good now that I've had a proper look at them. Like, I have not got any downers about this at all. I'm excited for it. How about you? I I hope this is good. I want it to be good. I still really like the original. I, a lot of people dog in the original for, for being bad. I, I look, maybe it is nostalgia colored glasses, but I have watched Space Jam in its entirety multiple times as an adult uh, every few years. And I still really like it. And Mm -hmm. I know it's not like a great movie, but 
the basketball Jones sequence with all the NBA players who lost their powers is fucking hysterical. <laughs> They're yeah. really good in it. Yeah. And the Looney Tunes are fun. And it, it's just a fun movie. I, I like it. I like the jokes. I like the style of it. And, hmm. you know, I'm also somebody who like, hey, if, if, if it's fun, that's all it needs sometimes. This looks like it's uh, trying to to have a little bit more heart with it being the the story at the center of this, which uh, in the original Space Jam, there it's really like somebody find, refinding their love for something because it takes place between Jordan quitting basketball mm, yeah. and him going back to playing basketball after playing baseball briefly. It's kind of like, Oh, and he, in this, he gets dragged into this thing, but he kind of finds his love for basketball again. And it explains why he returned to the NBA, which I think is fun. Uh, this movie, um, he, it, it's about him trying to connect with his son, uh, mm-hmm. who he doesn't see eye to eye with because LeBron James is a basketball player and his son wants to code and be like, somebody who does uh computer stuff and technology and yeah. he doesn't really get that and this movie is about um bringing them together while also exploiting all of the warner brothers intellectual properties <laughs> in- including the warner brothers and the warner sister dot i'm notice in one particular Every- scene if Warner Brothers owns to the rights to something, it is in this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, everything is like there's one shot it's where you see you see the Iron Giant and King Kong high fiving each other or which fist bumping, which is and brilliant. You know it what? is brilliant. Here's the thing: in the first trailer we got, you didn't get you saw a lot of things, and you're like, wow, there's a lot happening here, mm. but didn't see anything as cool as King Kong and the Iron Giant, <laughs> uh, like high-fiving interacting and i was like well that's great i love that mm. um so i'm hoping to see more stuff like that and and all the fun easter egg breakdowns that'll come out as the movie comes out because there's so much stuff it is just jammed packed with the stuff uh and weird stuff that you wouldn't expect and, and who knows maybe it introduces some kids to some like weird warner brothers property but Personally, I think it's a. It looks like it's going to be fun, and hope I like that. It's maybe it's going to have a little bit more heart than the original. And uh, they are also this is a little thing, but because the first movie did that thing I talked about, where it kind of explains the real life um, storyline of LeBron James going for, or, or uh, of Michael Jordan mm. leaving basketball and then coming back to basketball. He LeBron James is changing his number to the number he wears in Space Jam, A New Legacy <laughs> for the upcoming season. Oh, man. Well, I, so I, I don't I know would... why he wears his... I don't know why he goes and starts wearing six, which is was his number uh, in Miami. Mm. I don't know why he starts wearing six again uh, in the new movie, but I like that he has said, I will be wearing six next season uh, as a continuation of the story. He's a method actor. <laughs> Him and Michael Jordan are both method actors. I mean, who else would take a sabbatical from the career that they're so successful at only to set up a comeback after a movie that explains why he found his love for the game again? Michael Jordan, that's who. This probably isn't going to happen. I would lose my fucking mind if it was an actual... If they recorded something or added something and made it a part of the plot that this takes place this summer and that... (laughs) Uh, Le- LeBron James is in kind of a bad spot right now because he just got eliminated from the first round of the playoffs. 
<laughs> Something that oh, hasn't happened in years. Who knows? I would love that. I think that'd be hilarious. It's, it's the, like, uh, it's the Warner it, Brothers I'm curse. I'm in kind of a rut. You know, I lost the playoffs this yeah. year. It's the Warner Brothers curse. I think that's what it is. Um, quick question for you, Tyler. What color would nostalgia glasses be? Um, Rose? I guess, yeah. Rose tinted would be the official answer, wouldn't it? I was just wondering if you might have a different idea for it. Also, I love the idea that yeah. <laughs> kids I love the idea that kids could be somehow um initiated into the directorial uh uh mastery of Ken Russell's The Devils because they right. caught one of the nuns on the sidelines. Or clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's absolutely mind bending to me that they put those in there. But I, I guess you know, the kids will just see it and be like, Oh, nun. So we're not. Uh, we're not joking. It's literally if the, if they had the rights to something, they put it in this fucking movie, even yeah. if it's not okay for kids to see. If it is, if it isn't, it doesn't matter. It's in this movie. Mad Max. Who cares? There Throw is a question there, of quality control that you, you would say, "Come on, guys! I don't think we need to be pushing this to the kids." But I don't know. There we go. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I, I like the movie. It was a bold choice. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think all three of these, the, the trailers, have done their job, which is to make me even more excited, or just to make me excited for the project that they're related to. So we'll keep an eye on them as and when they come out. There's uh, a pretty wide uh, window of release for those three different properties, but uh, we'll we'll get to them when we get to them. And I wouldn't be surprised if we talked about them in some way, shape, or form on this very podcast. Uh, now it's taking a little bit longer than we thought it would do, but now we're going to get to the uh, the main thrust of this episode, and that is the first part of our six part review of Loki on Disney Plus. Uh, before we we jump right into the, the actual discussion of the episode i want to also mention just because it's it's an interesting development i think yeah um so this episode came out uh this past wednesday which Mm -hmm. is different because these these shows were coming out on friday uh my theory is that they've moved this show to wednesday because black widow comes out during the run of this show oh which wasn't a problem before you think but i do feel like they don't really want uh, a new episode of Loki and Black Widow to happen on the same day. Ah, see, I was wondering if it might be that something in Loki might have some sort of effect on Black Widow, but that seems a bit weird since Black Widow is a, a prequel story. So, yeah, I feel like they. I don't know how much these two are going to cross over, but, but I do think Trump. the idea of like of of having both of these new media out on the same exact day would be mm. they it maybe split the narrative or is it might be too much for people and so they yeah. moved it to wednesday so that you have a full day to watch the new episode and talk about it before black widow comes out on like a thursday evening it so i feel could, like that yeah. was the move which i think was a good choice it could literally just be thing, for social media clicks yeah right the other thing that's very interesting in all of this that uh this came out on wednesday but the but last friday um avengers campus opened at disneyland in california Mm. and avengers campus is a part of this marvel cinematic universe theme park land that's going to be um at the i believe there's going to be one at disneyland paris and there's another one at like one of the um i don't know if it if it's uh if it's tokyo i feel like it It would either be tokyo or beijing um, yeah, it might be China as well, because yeah. uh, I know that's a big deal over there. But the idea is that there's going to be these three distinct Avengers Campus lands that are going to be out throughout the world that are going to all be 
linked like they'll share share storylines just like all the other stuff and it'll all kind of exist at the same time but they won't just be the same thing um and it, as a part of avengers campus you have a lot of like walk around characters and stuff like that and the reason why i'm bringing this all up is because they they had made a point of saying uh it, when they did star wars galaxy's edge star wars galaxy's edge is a, is a firm timeline in the star Wars canon, it mm. takes place at like in this year at this time. And here's what's going on at that time mm. when you visit this land. Um, and it's always kind of the same day at galaxy's edge, but at Avengers campus, they made a point of saying, this is going to constantly change. And the characters that are going to be here, um, are going to change. And what they're doing is going to change. And the relationships are going to change. Mm. Uh, while it's also, they said completely, a place out of time. So it's a place where both um, you have Steve Rogers, Captain America running around, but you also have um, uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America running around. And you also have Iron Man still alive. And all these characters are able to interact with each other, even if they're mm. dead or alive in the movies, they could all exist in Avengers campus. The thing that is so interesting to me is they open Avengers campus on Friday on Wednesday. They drop Loki. And on Wednesday, and then on uh, Thursday afternoon, TVA jumpsuit Loki is walking around Avengers campus, <laughs> surrounded by TVA agents, and is already <laughs> happening in the theme parks the day after this show drops. Well, you know that they've always got that synergy working. Like they have, I know. so much in in terms of planning going on and. Uh, because Loki's been filming for some time and and he's completed filming a long time ago, I suppose it wouldn't surprise me if they just took all of those assets and just threw them at the Disney parks and said, "Go on, then yeah. use them." There's, they also have uh, they also have in the in the park a little display setup that has some of the TVA items, like their little retcon cannons and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, I guess like the idea is going to be like when a new marvel property drops it's gonna like immediately be a part of the theme park so you'll be able to like cool. see whatever new thing happens in the mc will like immediately you'll be able to interact with it mm. uh and it's been really cool i like watching the videos of people interacting with the characters um and uh people doing their impressions of the mcu characters like i love the walk around thor who i think is very funny and um you've got uh I, the guy who does the Doctor Strange show, I think it does a very good Benedict Cumberbatch impression <laughs> of uh, him, of Benedict Cumberbatch doing an American accent. <laughs> that's so, yeah. pretty cool. No, that sounds awesome. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's really interesting that they immediately, as soon as this uh, first episode came out, they already had it in the parks. And I'm wondering if that's going to be something where weekly in this show, as things happen by week on the show, if that's going to affect the theme park if there'll be oh you can absolutely walk around characters introduced during this yeah you can absolutely guarantee that lady loki is going to turn up by the end of the six-week period yeah. like absolutely guaranteed and and that is assuming that she is the villain which is something that we'll get to as we talk about this first episode um speaking of which should we get into it let's do it cool okay so uh we open with uh, a really nice establishing shot lifted directly from the avengers 2012 uh and also uh endgame uh or infinity war i can't remember which one i always get them mixed up uh and it it's fun i love this aspect of this uh in that we are picking up 
during the events of Endgame, which take place during the events mm. of the Avengers. <laughs> it's confusing. Um, something which was pointed out, and I will be referring a lot to uh, Screen Crush and the new rock stars who did some brilliant breakdown right. videos. Uh, they do really great work. They, they do great work. They feel very, very similar in, in their um, production and, and even their hosts. They they feel very mm. kind of similar people, but they do a great job. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that they're worth looking at if uh, if you enjoy looking at easter egg stuff um one of them pointed out that the establishing shot is the exact one that was used during a scene in the original avengers uh during the chitari uh attack on new york but they've taken a lot of the vfx away of the chitari portals opening and and the big worm monsters coming through and stuff like that so it looks like it's a post chitari attack new york rather than a, uh, a, a New York which is mid attack yeah. uh, which is a really intelligent use of stock footage um, because you know we've got billions of dollars but how do you keep billions of dollars by not spending billions of dollars so where possible let's reuse shots let's uh, integrate extra things into uh, established uh, shots and there's a lot of that in this opening um, we get a retread of the the famous uh, ending of Avengers where Loki is uh, bound and gagged and put into the lift. And uh, we, but essentially it's a rerun of how we got to the beginning of this show. It's uh, the Avengers lifting the uh, Tesseract off of their past selves and then uh, Hulk... <laughs> I still love the fact that Hulk got the arse ache because he was made to take the stairs. Um, And because of that, the Tesseract uh, comes loose. Loki picks it up and vanishes into a portal. Um, And he turns up in the Gobi Desert, does an exact retread of his opening speech uh, when he appeared in the first Avengers film, which is quite funny. They didn't understand who the hell he was because he wasn't speaking the native tongue. And Mm. uh, then the TVA turn up. And this is our first look at the TVA. And man, that that special effect, the, the slow-mo, where he gets absolutely oh, yeah. wrecked by the uh, the retcon uh, stick, which is on a stun setting rather than a kill setting to borrow from Star Trek. Um, he's moving at 1 16th of normal speed. And <laughs> the way that his face, you know, his lips just go bloop, 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 bloop after he's been hit. Oh. I love that there's this almost like video recording like s- style, like that there's stuff like um, like rewinds or like mm. they're playing slow time stuff. a lot. I think it's really cool. Like, yeah, it's like time, but it also has that little effect to it. Like, you know, yeah, like, like the video looks like he's thing, been yeah. slowed down. Mm. The footage mm. has been slowed down of just him. Yeah, uh, as as he like you know his face wobbles and it looks like it's like a like a high frame rate video of him getting hit in slow motion. Mm. And then you have like the little weird blippy bars when they use the time twisters and you see people like kind of go back. It kind of looks like you're like rewinding a video. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, It it fits into this very analog world that they've created for the TVA where they've got like 1970s looking machines and they've got soda, which apparently was, uh, was they stopped production of that soda like 20 right. years ago. And jo- they have Josta Cola, which I think is such, I love the joke that he is, that Mobius is just drinking a Josta Cola and he doesn't, he doesn't say the name of it. He doesn't like, they don't draw attention mm. to the joke. It's just, 
if you know, like you see Josh Nicole, you're like, oh shit, that's yeah. Josh Nicole. That's kind like, of he, fun he that that is like. For, for European viewers, you know, he could have been uh, drinking a tab clear, which we had in the mm-hmm. 90s. And then they just got rid of because a lot of people said, well, it's just flat Coke, but clear. And to be fair, they were right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's the same idea. And the fact they don't draw too much attention to it. They draw attention to it in as much as he offers one to Loki. And, you know, they make a big thing of, I'll have that drink now, which is a great little callback to the end of Avengers. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fleshing out the world. It's making it clear to us that the TVA, because they have access to all of time, they can basically do what they want, drink what they want, eat what they want. You know, if you put on a couple of pounds, you just slap a collar on yourself and rewind yourself to before you got that weight. Um, <laughs> there's there's a, a benefit. I feel like there's a benefit. And then there's also uh, some uh, drawbacks, I think, to working mm-hmm. for the TVA. Oh, go ahead. And And I think one of the benefits is that all time is available to you uh, and that you can – jump through time and grab a Joss, a six pack of Josta Cola <laughs> and yep. then, uh, whatever has existed or, you know, will ever exist. There's probably so many fun, like old, uh, stuff. I would love to go back and get my hands on, but at the same time, you're, uh, you're outside of reality and you're bound to a sacred timeline of events. So, mm, mm. You don't know what fish are, you know. I can't think of a word. You don't know fight. what fish are. There's, yeah, and you don't really exist in the real world, which is kind of interesting. You kind of exist outside of it doing your own thing, which is interesting. And I don't know. I think that's I think that's kind of cool, but also like, you know, I I don't know. It's interesting. I would say there's some drawbacks to, to that as well. There are, but at the same time, like, you know, if, and, and we'll continue the fish analogy here, if you're a goldfish living in a bowl, and you've never known anything else. Do you know that you're missing out, or do you just get on with your day-to-day life, not realizing that there's more to it? You know, like these uh, workers at the TVA who were in, it's, it's essentially brought into existence by these three overarching time lord figure things. Uh, one of whom might be a bad guy that we're going to talk about at some point in the future. Um, they were brought into existence to do these jobs literally they were blinked into existence they started doing office jobs um and that's all they've ever known so do they necessarily think about the drawbacks probably not we we probably not they don't they don't they don't know anything no no i do think it's interesting that i think it's pretty clear in this episode that the they like yes they exist i i got to say so this is like kind of going off of this Michael Waldron uh, is the writer for this series, and mm. he is, has worked on Community and Rick and Morty and stuff like that. And the Rick and Morty nature of this, there is – the thing that I really love about that show is that the science fiction is so well thought out and functional and interesting mm. every time. Yep. And the story here is that you have the TVA – whose job it is to monitor the sacred timeline and their base of operation is a place outside of space and time. Mm. But therefore the stuff that is happening at the TVA is not a part of the sacred timeline. So things can happen at the TVA that nobody knows is going to happen because it is not a part of this preordained timeline that they all know about because they take place outside of that timeline but that allows for drama 
You know, that, right. That, so that like when Loki escapes or people are distracting, mm. Mobius doesn't know that's going to happen. They are easily tricked inside because they don't know what's going to happen. So they observe the timeline from outside of it, but they are not a part of that flow of the timeline, which I think is really interesting. And that allows for, you know, Loki, who is, uh, I think Waldron described it as the TVA is order and Loki represents chaos. And mm. that the show's jumping off point is introducing chaos to disrupt the order of the TVA. Like that is his function in this. And I think it's really interesting how it, how much chaos Loki is able to bring to the TVA simply just because they exist outside of space and time. So they are able to have like, you know, they don't know what's going to happen every day at the office. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Um, you know, I, I'm entering into broad strokes territory because this show can very easily be described in like 30 seconds. You know, we go beginning to end and basically say what happened in, in this episode. But I, what I think is a real triumph for this episode is the fact that it took them six to seven years in real time, in real life, to take Loki through this arc where he goes from just out and out bad guy to hero, essentially. Like you know, by the time he dies in Endgame, it's like, man, he, we went on a journey, and he's he's actually an okay guy. You know, he's gone through a lot. He's changed. He's grown, and they managed to do this in this show in half an hour. <laughs> Yeah, what I think it's here's what's cool. So they did kind of they caught him up to speed mm. with what we know of Loki, which is great. The thing that I think is really interesting here is that um, another thing that Waldron had talked about, which this very much seems like this is comes from the from the Dan Harmon school of writing and the story circle and the way that he he breaks down stories. Um, he had made a comment that when I was brought on to do a Loki show, the weird thing about it is that. Loki in the movies had essentially in his terms arced out. Yeah. He has had a full arc. He had fully come back around and died completing the hero's journey. He had sacrificed himself. He had learned a lesson. He had completely arced out mm. and he was like, it wouldn't have necessarily been interesting to take the Loki with all of that development and put him on a TV show. And instead it's more interesting to take Someone who a Loki from earlier in the timeline who is maybe at the moment where they have the most character development to do. Uh, Absolutely. And then yep. they do catch him up to speed so he knows what's going on. But you can kind of tell that this show is going to be a new hero's journey arc for Loki. And he's going to become probably an even more well-developed hero character going forward based on this show than he already was. And you can already see, I would say – even just watching that and watching his reaction to it, uh, you can kind of tell that this Loki is going to be a Loki who is way more self-reflective and willing to actually uh, look at themselves literally mm. as that is what the show is going to be is him literally confronting other versions of himself um, and bettering himself. And I think that's really cool in a way that even as Loki kind of arced out before, 
and never really felt like he was very self-reflective on his choices. I think he always was very much like, I know what I'm doing and I'm right or whatever. Yeah. we, we And this we, really feels like I need to actually really sit down and think about what I do and why I do it. Yeah. Like what I think is really cool about this is that we have that two-way conversation between him and, and Mobius where he actually expresses in his own words why he is the way he is. So rather than, and, and you kind of get, bits of that during for ragnarok and and, and shows like that or, or films like that sorry uh where he has conversations with four and, and uh, other characters but with this it's like a very honest conversation like th- this is probably the best uh example of uh a, a show which uh really illustrates the benefits of therapy you know <laughs> like in yeah. half an hour they were able to make or in one day <laughs> in their time they were able to make the same progress that he made by himself in six or seven years. Um, but I, I like I the fact a, that there was a really funny tweet that I saw right after this show dropped um, when everybody was on Twitter, kind of talking about the premiere mm-hmm. and they were like, they're like, Oh, so the theme of the series is uh, y'all need therapy. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's Wanda who's in therapy basically through WandaVision and uh, vision the kind of gave himself literally therapy, in therapy during Falcon and Winter Soldier yeah, yeah, and goes through true. his breakthrough. And then Loki who basically goes through therapy. On I, I love the fact that vision was his own therapist, you know, and that, <laughs> yeah, and that true. didn't even take a day. It took like a five minute conversation. And he was like, Hmm. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, totally readjusted my mind frame. Um, Tara strong. I didn't realize Tara strong is in this show. Yeah, she's Miss Minutes, y'all. Uh, she's Miss Minutes, y'all. The Southern Bell, uh, or the Southern Clock, I should say. Um, the uh, I love that video. It's very, as they point out, on both New Rock Stars and uh, and and the uh, the other uh, video series. <laughs> yes, Screen Crush. Um, it, it is very much kind of um, Peabody and Sherman nineteen sixties style animation. Uh, very simple lines, uh, monochromatic in some ways. Uh, and I, I really liked it. I like the fact that their example of a person who branches off to different timelines, he's got that bow tie, which in the Mad Doctor guys is turned sideways and put on his lapel. But like the bow tie is the closest that you would get to an hourglass or an infinity sign, which is the emblem of the um, the TVA. Um, really cool how they work these little things in, plus the fact that during that video, it talks about Nexus events, and that ties it directly to WandaVision, where one of those adverts was about Nexus, the antidepressant um, right. advert. Uh, well, and that's and let's talk about because they also here's the thing we're gonna kind of break down to both. I like how both of these are these weird little video things in world that the characters are watching, mm. but in that Nexus commercial you they say like you know take nexus and take control of your own reality uh consult your doctor which yeah which was originally going to be dr strange, strange. going to have some interaction later and yeah. then in this she says the you know they stop the world from falling into a multiverse which would result in madness yeah <laughs> and, it's and, like, and who oh, is the writer the name of the next dang movie yeah but who is huh. the writer of doctor strange in the multiverse of madness michael waldron there you go there you and go I, and the other funny thing about it too that I, he, I was listening to an interview with him where he said like on loki it's such a weird time thing and that he was like it was kind of fun because i when i was making loki i was going around and i was breaking all this shit and i was like 
ah, who cares? Like, let the next guy figure it out. But then they brought me on the right <laughs> Dr. Strange too. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm the guy who got to fix it. Fuck. <laughs> Stop it. He's oh, like, I'll man. pass it. The next guy will figure it out. And he's like, damn, wait, now I got to figure it out. But again, like, this, this explains why... Like, if you look at Marvel and you look at... Even if you look in-house at Disney and you look at Star Wars, right? And you compare the way that they work these things, you've got the same writer on on this that is then going on to Doctor Strange, which is going to deal directly with the results of this series as well as some of the series that came before it. Um, meanwhile, on Star Wars recently, J.J. Abrams just came out and said, yeah, we didn't actually have a plan between movies, which is why it took such a hard left turn for the second one and took an even harder right turn to correct itself for the third. Um, like It pays to have a plan and have that consistency. If, if only it is the same writer or one of the same writers being involved in all of those projects, it gives you that line that you follow through where you're like, you know, he will stand up or she will stand up and say, oh, excuse me, but we wrote this in the previous one because this is where we thought we could take it. You know, and like a plan is always a great thing to have when you're writing these things that are going to spin off into multiple other shows and uh, and, and movies. Yeah, and it and it to me it kind of seems like the it, uh, these TV shows are almost becoming a um a place where they can kind of have their writers work on these characters before moving on because you know, Jack Schaefer did WandaVision, but she also did Black Widow. And yeah. Waldron did this, and then he did um, uh, the next... Doctor uh, Strange, yeah. Doctor Strange. Here's the other crazy thing, too. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige, and I think this is so telling to where the rest of the MCU is going to be going in Phase 4. He is pulling all of these people from the Rick and Morty writers' room. <laughs> Damn, you're because right. Because you have Michael Waldron doing this in Doctor Strange. Mm. You have uh, Loveless doing um, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And you've got um, – what's her name? Doing She-Hulk. Uh, she's, she's, the, she's in charge of that show. I'm going to pull up her name because I feel bad because I can't think of it. Um, it's a lot of names to remember for a lot of different movies. I wouldn't feel too bad. We're, we're gonna we're gonna say what her name is in a second when you found it. Yeah, I'm just pulling up. But I, what I would say while you're doing that is that I, I think that the reason why he's pulling so many people from Rick and Morty is because what's the one thing we know about Rick and Morty? It's set in multiple right. different dimensions. Exactly. They're used um, to dealing with this stuff. Jessica Gao. Jessica, Jessica Gao. Gao. Okay. Also, Rick and Morty writer, and then um, uh, Malcolm Spellman, who did uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, is writing the new Captain America movie. So it really kind of feels like the people who are doing these shows are being involved in the movies. And they're kind mm. of building this little stable of uh, of writers uh, for the Spe- future. And it seems like a lot of them are, are Rick and Morty people who are dealing with weird sci-fi stuff and timelines yeah. and multiverses. Yeah. And, Spellman uh, makes so much sense because, because when you set up uh, a new Captain America like he did in Falcon and the Winter Soldier it makes perfect sense that the follow on movie that further explores those issues you should have someone that is going to be able to again carry that through line into it you know that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense um, I knew where I was going to go next and now I've completely lost the plot so I'm just going to pick a random thing about this show and start talking about it just off the <laughs> top of my head um, we get a time infraction scene in France where they um, a lot of people would have uh, immediately said, oh, Mephisto's going to be in this show. 
because when Owen Wilson, as Mobius, asks that little girl, who I can't remember history to save my life, but I would have loved it if he asked her name and she said, my name is Joan. And it turned out that she was a young Joan of Arc. That would have been amazing. Um, she points up to the stained glass window and it's of the devil. And so, of course, the immediately immediate implication for everybody watching who hadn't already heard the interview uh, with the writer uh, was, oh, it's Mephisto. But like Loki has a massive helmet with huge horns on it. So, Well, and, and as I think New Rockstars pointed out, they have already very specifically said that that is not the case very much so <laughs> they, very and, much and, so and by the end of the episode we find out that it's loki anyways like they, well, we they still, make a point of saying it's yeah, loki yeah like um, they say it's loki yeah. we're still unsure as to whether and this is where the speculation comes in about lady loki because they have cast and i i'm forgetting names now but um, they have cast an actress in an unnamed role. Um, uh, yeah, her name is um, Sofia Di Martino. Sofia Di Martino. Um, so the suspicion at the moment is that she could be playing Lady Loki, who the law is that uh, originally Lady, <laughs> at least in one story, Lady Loki's origin is that um, they were trying to reincarnate um one of the um other heroes from asgard um lady lady sif lady sif yes thank you tyler no this is the reason why i have you around it's to prop up my memory they were going to i, I soak in all this random knowledge <laughs> for these things i don't know what it is I, I a lot of it is all oh no I'm, I'm very happy that, that you do um so they were going to reincarnate lady sif by having her spirit funneled into a new body but uh, Loki managed to beat her to the punch and became a female version of Loki. Um, interestingly, and this is something that I did want to talk about, when you look on Loki, and again, thanks to New York Stars and Screen Crush, who both pointed this out, when you look at Loki's uh, rap sheet, under sex, it says, yes, please. No, it doesn't. Um, it, it says, it says fluid. fluid. It says fluid, yeah. Um, which is uh, obviously a, a massive thing for any Disney slash Marvel property because this is the first time that we've had any kind of transgender uh, role acknowledged. Uh, but also, it opens the door wide for Lady Loki, uh, which just fuels the fire for this. And And there's a reason, I think, why in that closing scene, when we see somebody taking down the TVA squad after they find what looks suspiciously like a um, an RGB gamer's version of a shovel in the ground, um, it's still a shadowy figure. We don't get any confirmation of who it is. So the only thing that makes sense to me when Mobius says the variant we're looking for is you, the only thing that makes sense is that it is a different version of Loki. It's not just a copy of Tom Hiddleston. It is, in fact, yeah. Sophia DiMartino. It's yeah, it is a different a different Loki variant. Now, here's what I think is interesting, and mm. here's where I think the show is going. And I could be off; I could be wrong. I think the where this show is going is that yes, the person from the so, so what we know of the show is that somebody who is revealed at the end of the episode is a Loki variant mm. is going around killing Minutemen in various points of time and stealing those capsules that they use to reset timelines. Yeah. And that it's happened like several times already. Mm -hmm. And that 
Mobius then is trying to bring Loki in to help him find because like who better to stop Loki than Loki? So well he's like, worn, let's get him on a TV. Well and help worn us out. trope, but it works, yeah. <laughs> so the thing that I I think where the show is going is I think yes, the hooded figure who must have been at that church and gave the gum to that kid hmm. and also killed those people in the field, uh, those Minutemen in the field, is Sophie uh, DiMartino's Lady Loki. Hmm. And my guess is that she is from a timeline that has been erased by the TVA yeah. and yeah. is um, taking kind of her revenge on this organization and I think she is going to be seen not as a villain by the end of this show. Hmm. And I think um, I think I kind of feel like we're going to break the world at the end of this show in a way that I don't think we're going to have the one proper timeline by the end of this. Well, no, I, I think and, that that's implicit in the title of yeah. the Doctor Strange movie. I think there is right. going to be a multiverse and that's going to feed and, and into Wanda looking for her kids what Miss Minutes warned us might happen is going to probably happen and that we are going to kind of break the timeline. And I'm interested to see where it's going to go. But I think I kind of think the show's stance is ultimately going to be that the TVA is wrong to be to be doing what they're doing. And mm. um, that that's going to be Sofia DiMartino's character's um, point and that the two of them based on trailer footage are going to connect and, uh, and see eye to eye with each other. And then I also kind of think that the other mystery person of this show who we have seen that has been cast, but as does not have um, a character assigned to them hmm. is Richard E. Grant. And That's I right. think Richard E. Grant is going to be a Loki variant as well. Possibly. Ooh. Maybe the worst Loki variant. Call. That is a big call. So maybe, see, I I wonder because we we already know that uh, certain characters have been cast for future movies, um, and uh, I'm I'm speaking. Hang on a second, because I'm I'm typing while I'm talking, and that's never a good idea for me. Uh, but Kang the Conqueror has Jonathan been Majors cast. Yes, that's right, Jonathan Majors. We don't know if he's going to make an appearance in Loki. It would make all the sense in the world if they kept it secret and he did appear in it. But my suspicion would be that by the end of Loki, the TVA, it will be revealed that they were good people doing what they thought was the right thing, but for entirely the wrong reason. And right. that it's Kang was that actually the, pulling the strings. The, right. Yeah. It's not that the TVA are inherently bad. It's not like Mobius is, is bad. Mobius is doing what what he was created he was, to do. Right, what he was created to do, what he was born to do, what makes sense. Mm. My guess is that what's going to happen is the that from up top the orders would not have been good, which makes sense. And and I think it's a very subtle thing. There's a lot of propaganda in the TVA. Oh, a hell of a lot. Hell of a lot. And it's very and, Big Brother, like very yeah. very dystopian propaganda. And when you listen to Miss Minutes in that video, she really does show like, yep, and you are a criminal if you if you if you miss the bus for work yeah. and you go down this path that that messes up the timeline, you're uh you're finished. 
And another thing, you're gonna you're gonna be guilty of a time crime. You're gonna have to come here and pay for it. Mm. But here's the other thing that I don't that that people aren't talking about. Uh, there's two things that I think people have missed in this episode that I think are kind of important. Okay. Um, one is that Loki says uh, to Mobius after he finishes watching everything, he's like sitting there and he's sad. He says, I can't go back to my old timeline. Yeah. And I think a lot, I've heard a lot of people I've been listening to reviews and in, in the new rock stars and people are saying, right, he can't go back. Cause he now like, he knows everything that's going to happen. He doesn't want to go back. No, he can't go back because his timeline doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's and look, he knows that because yeah. he saw them do it. Mm, mm. They put that capsule in and turned it on and Loki saw it. He didn't see it finished destroying everything, but they have cut that branch of the timeline. So that's gone. And he knows it. Mm. And nobody is talking about that. Um, The other thing that I think is nobody that everybody kind of missed and it's, it's kind of subtle, but when Mobius is showing Loki all these past things and he's trying to have this kind of therapy session, kind of make him talk about him stuff. Um, uh, he says things like, um, these are all, he, he says to Mobius, these are all tricks, right? They're games played by the weak, you know, mm. to, to convey power or whatever. Mm. And he calls, he says that about the TVA. But then at the end, when he's broken down, that's his answer to Mobius's question. Why do you do this? He's like, I don't like hurting people. It's all a part of the illusion. Yeah. It's the, it's the games that the weak play to instill power. It's literally the same words. Mm-hmm. In that moment where he shouts at Mobius about what the TVA is, he's really talking about himself. Yeah. I think that's super cool writing. I don't really think a lot of people have picked up on that. I don't know. I really, I feel, it's really good. I don't know. I, don't, I feel like... Uh... Maybe the the parallel between him talking about the TVA and himself, yeah, I think that hasn't really been mentioned in a lot of the things that I've seen. Um, yeah. But I, just, I, I do like the fact that... I think it's subtle enough that people haven't maybe made the connection that he uses mm, the same words yeah. to describe the TVA and himself. I think it's, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I've I've remembered the thing that I was that I wanted to absolutely mention, uh, which was a massive loophole that they managed to close so succinctly and so so easily, and I I was just like. Up until the point that they said it, I was like, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? And I wasn't getting the answer. And the moment they addressed it and they sewed that that loophole up so tight, tighter than a duck's ass, you could say, I was just like, oh, you you wonderful, beautiful bastards, you. And that's the moment. And it's brilliantly delivered as well, by the way, by Tom Hiddleston. He says, well, what about the Avengers? You know, they they went through time. They changed things. Why aren't you hunting them? You know, give me a task force. I'll hunt them down myself. I'll bring them back. And <laughs> the judge just says, no, that was supposed to happen. <laughs> no, we wanted that to happen. Yeah, that and was that was it. And, and that's it. It's perfect because that completely shut that loophole because I was like, yeah, but the, he's not the only person that has uh, that, that has either benefited from traveling through time or has had their timeline changed by time travel. And that was just such a, easy and quick way for them to just shoot all of that down and say no that's this is our yeah, answer all those things were supposed to go like absolutely that. That i also there's a lot of people who have been making loki tiktoks and one of my favorite is 
somebody it's like it's the scene of like Thanos snapping the world away mm. and then and then it's like around the corner there's a TVA agent and he's just like leaning around the corner and he's like giving a thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> now get out before it's too late <laughs> yeah because he's like yeah that, yep good job that we, no, that's we wanted that that's, that's good. brilliant oh and man I, I think that's funny the, the um <laughs> The, the the scenes of him being kind of brought into the TVA, especially the uh, the airport security gate where they take a picture of his aura, and there's that guy that <laughs> that says, you know, have you have, are you a fully robotic being yeah. or were you an a, an organic being that has been augmented, blah blah blah. He's, and he says, to your knowledge, have you have you got what is commonly organic? called a soul? Yeah, and he was like, do you get many people who here who are robots? And then he follows it up with wait maybe i am a robot and like it's just becomes, that moment i love that he becomes too instilled with being yes yeah it's just it's that perfect like, moment just like what happens if i am a robot oh you'll be melted, you'll be melted from, from, the from the inside and it's that perfect moment of self-doubt that he so brilliantly encapsulates and his performance is so so good because like he's been giving it all this bravado and we we find out later that this is his his true kind of like being anyway but he's giving it all of the the big lad like i am this i am that what are you doing i am a god i am loki bow to me and then in that one moment he has this existential crisis which a lot of people have been pointing to battlestar galactica with the whole you know and, and also they have life model decoys in the marvel universe as well uh which is something that was pointed to in one of the I want to say one of the Iron Man movies, but it could have been an Avengers movie. Um, uh, it's the first Avengers movie. First Avengers, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's not an unknown thing to happen, but you've got so many examples in the Marvel Universe itself, whether it be um, Karen Gillan's character from Guardians of the Galaxy or Vision or, you know, uh, you've got um, bloody Ultron, you know, a fully robotic being. Uh, I think it's interesting to speculate, and I think it's true does vision have a soul i like to think he does i think so i think so. i don't know how but i feel I, like I think <laughs> I, I think that um if we look into wandavision and we delve deeper into the events of that tv show we could make the argument that the color version of villain a uh, vision that we saw in wandavision was a piece of her soul and that would oh, make yeah that's that yeah I would accept that as an answer. That, and, yeah, and that, that being a part, a part of Wanda of, and him, and, and that's his soul. Yeah, and, and that you know your soul could very much grow out of the plant uh, of the the seedling, which, which is made by somebody else's. Um, and, and that you know we don't know exactly what makes up a soul, and maybe the um, the soul it was the soul stone, wasn't it, or the mind stone that was in his forehead. Um, that that may yes, very the mind stone. yeah that may very well have had the power to give him a soul of his own anyway. I certainly like to think that he had a soul because I don't think AI is that advanced. Even even Jasper, I don't think is that advanced. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I would definitely say that he had a soul. And I and I think that's the difference between I like the the Wanda explanation or even maybe the stones as an explanation that it's uh not because they make a point they make a yeah you know what they make a point too of saying like. You know, she's she talks about how she can feel him in there and stuff like that, and how that seems to be different than just whatever the stone is. And it, there's been a lot of weird mumbo jumbo about the vision, but I do I do think that he has a soul. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I don't know if there's a massive amount else that we um, 
that, that we can talk about. Is, is there anything that you can think of that we haven't covered yet that we should uh, just mention briefly before we sign off for the day? Uh, I'm trying to think of any specifics. Uh, I'm absolutely loving um, Owen Wilson in oh, this yeah. and his relationship with Loki and Tom Hiddleston is great. I love his performance in this. I think they've got great chemistry. Tom Hiddleston is so good in this show already. Yeah. Watching him watch the footage of Loki's life and oh. playing this, like, it really does feel like this person who is completely trapped out of time in an element that they don't fully understand. Yeah. And somebody, and it really breaks down somebody who is so, um, you know, so headstrong and confident. And it really, I think it's a blow to his, uh, his ego to be here and watching him break down like that, watching that his reaction to watching his own death and his mother's mm -hmm. death and, yeah. and, and Thor accepting him. And he's got this like tears in his eyes and a smile forms and it's really beautiful. And when it, and that end of file thing comes across the thing, it's, really poignant and cool and i really i'm excited to see uh how this all keeps going um yeah here's another thing mm. uh eugene cordero briefly appears in this uh he's a comedian uh he plays casey one of the tv agents who uh <laughs> is just kind of working at the tva that loki kind of runs runs into and i think one of the most interesting aspects of this show is that um, Casey gets handed the Tesseract upon Loki's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> entrance into the TVA. One of the very first things <laughs> that happens is he hands Casey the, the, te the Tesseract gets handed to Casey and Loki goes, be very careful with that. It's, it's very dangerous. It's, it's called the Tesseract. And you just hear him on screen. Go, sounds that sounds dumb. dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And oh, then, man. like later, he like goes and threatens Casey to get the stones back, and he's like, <laughs> and and he pulls open the door, and it's just a fucking drawer full of Infinity Stones. That's great. We use them as paperweights here. Yeah, it's brilliant. I I love. There's there's a brilliant um, when he first gets hold of him and then pulls him down, and he says, "What's your name?" And, and he says, "Oh, it's Casey." And he says, "Right, okay, listen very carefully, Casey. Give me the tesseract, or I will gut you like a fish." It's like it, there's such a. It's like he flips the switch from being reasonably friendly to absolutely threatening as hell. Right, and then um, Casey just goes, "What's a fish?" <laughs> yeah, I love that line. It's so good, but it fits perfectly. Like when you oh, understand right. where they all came from, it makes perfect sense. They've never seen a fish in their lives. Um, you can see the Tesseract's like the change in Loki's um, – in the Tesseract, it changes so much when it's in the TVA. It doesn't glow the same way it used to. Yeah, but uh, It I looks think much more like it's just a cube than think, it did before. I think that's illustrative of the fact that like we very much pick up on the fact during this scene actually that Loki is coming to the realization that in the shadow of the TVA – the Tesseract and perhaps the Infinity Stones in general are just playthings, you know, like mm -hmm. their power is absolutely insurmountable. Um, sorry, th th their power is insignificant compared to the power that the TVA holds. And I wonder in that scene, and I wondered this at the time, is he already plotting to take over the TVA and, and use that power for himself? I think he might be. 
Um, I definitely noticed that whether or not it was a planned because he does seem to be going through a lot here and I don't know how much I truly don't know how much Loki is thinking ahead at this point because it seems like he's being he's got a lot of shit being thrown at him I guarantee you I guarantee you Uh, he's thinking at least a couple of steps ahead because that's how his mind works but it does look like while he goes through that drawer he does pick up a time stone well and he looks at I don't, a time stone. I didn't yeah. notice him put it back. He looks at a time stone. I don't know if he puts it back or not, but they are very keen to point out that he's very sleight of hand. He steals that time turner yes. off of uh, Mobius. And I love the fact that they actually had him do it on camera and you can barely see it as he's being. Yeah, when held you go up. back and watch the scene and you know that he's done it. You, you know he's done it, it and you and it becomes obvious, but if you're watching that and you didn't notice it at the time, and I wondered because they kind of bumped into each other as he came up, and I was like Hmm, I wonder. And and it turned out that he had palmed it off of him, uh, which is just so Loki, you know. Um, I, I'm going to... I think we, we're going to end it here. I, I do want to... Uh, start... I, I oh, have another on. thing I want to yep. say. Well, okay, go yeah, go ahead. Um, The other thing that I've heard people saying here and there, like on a podcast or, or like a, you know, a TikTok video or something or tweet um, that I disagree with, I don't think is true, a lot of people have been saying this is crazy because the TVA has basically said that the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it has existed up to this point had no free will. And I disagree with that. You have free will. But if you make the wrong choice, you'll be blinked out of existence. You get arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't do – like they – you enter the bureaucracy of having fucked up the timeline, but you mm. can absolutely yeah. do whatever the fuck you want. I want to know. If you I do the know. wrong thing, you're going to get in trouble. I want to know how many Steve Rogers they've zapped into nothingness over the course of yeah, their existence. probably a bunch. There's probably every character we know at some point has, has stepped into the TVA. But it also, I. But it's also not random. It's not like, oh, you know what? I I stopped brushing my teeth too early, and the TV are going to come get me because i fucked up the proper flow of time mm-hmm. it is almost like a chessboard or checkers or something that they are looking at here and in a way that like uh was shown in endgame with the ancient one where she says if you remove the um if you remove the the uh stone it creates from a branch stone from the time you create this branching timeline, yeah. which would put our timeline in jeopardy. She she straight up says that, which is kind of what the TVA is trying to stop. Um, which is why they have so, so many. Right. So it really comes down to um, if you are fucking with something that is going to greatly change the flow of time mm, that mm. needs to be taken care of. Little things only result in this if you if it if if you miss the bus and that means that you got fired which means you're going to do this instead of doing this which is going to dramatically change the course of time hmm. uh but if it's it's little things like what you eat for dinner and that's really not going to affect anything then it's not a big deal if it's different hopefully. than how it was before hopefully but uh <laughs> but the idea but they make a point of saying mobius says this is your job they, they make the point of saying like 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 they pull up the Phil Coson video of him killing Phil and Phil says like, uh, you're like destined to lose or something like that. Hmm. Um, or he makes a point of saying like, you're, you're not going to win. Uh, cause that's like, like winning's not in your nature yeah. is what he says, I believe. And Mobius repeats those words back to him, but Mobius makes a point of saying, 
your role in all of this has always been to inspire others yeah. to be better versions of themselves mm, that the mm. timeline needs. Mm. And your role is very insignificant outside of that. What you want, what you desire, what you believe you are owed is nothing. You don't get anything because you're, you're here to do that, to do this. You're here to say, go up that stairwell instead to send your mom to death to spur your brother on to greatness. Mm. That's your role. Yeah. And that is a horrible thing for somebody <laughs> like Loki to hear. And I think that is so interesting. It definitely feels as though, and again, thanks to uh, Screen Crush and New Rock Stars, because one of them pointed this out. I can't remember who. It definitely feels like when you see that over the shoulder shot where he's watching his own death and uh, his future self says, you will never be a god to um thanos right he's actually talking to himself like that is that moment where it's like you're never going to succeed and you know this deep down and the fact that it's his own self telling him that is kind of telling right we have done what we normally try not to do which is to go longer than the long. <laughs> um, the the, the uh, time stamp of, of the show that we're reviewing but never mind i wanted to leave on one theory um which may not be borne out in one episode, but I certainly do think that it's coming. And this is a really obvious one. But I wanted to throw it out there because, you know, we've we've constantly been talking about when are the X-Men going to appear in the Marvel Universe? Well, how are they going to turn up? Blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. We now know that because of Loki, we are going to enter into a multiverse of madness. So I think that's fairly obvious at this point. And I think that one of the time streams and what you were saying before actually dovetails into this really nicely, Tyler, because you were talking about how missing the bus or having the wrong thing for dinner isn't going to change the timeline, but big things can change the timeline. And normally that would be Infinity Stones. But what if in an alternate timeline, somebody back in ancient Egypt, somebody who might one day become known by a name which means the end of the world, developed something called the mutant gene or the X gene. And normally the TVA would go and get that person or mutant and bring them in and get rid of them because they would be the start of a new timeline where mutants existed. So what if something happens and that timeline is allowed to develop and one of the other versions of the Marvel Universe has mutants in it? I think that could be where we end up getting mutants. And I know that's not a particularly original take, but it seems like the most sensible one, given what we know at this point. Right, there we go. I, I, another question I want to pose really quick again. I'm sorry. No, go <laughs> on, go on, go on. We'll make this I the last this one, show though. raises so many interesting Because we can talk about this next questions. week as well. So, come yeah. on. <laughs> but, but just really quick, yeah. uh, the, the whole Captain America going back in time thing, I Ooh. feel like is very an interesting place where this show is like, what happened there? Because what the fuck happened there? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what like, happened. Whatever was meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, part of me thinks that it's, it's it, maybe he was visited by the TVA and they're like, hey, bud, you're on thin ice. Just don't fuck this timeline up too much and just go about your day. But <laughs> you better watch yourself. I don't know. I, I think that there's a reason why they're avoiding talking about it specifically. Like there have been brushstroke mentions of him and they all seem to be talking about him in the past tense like he's no longer there 
so that means one of two things. Either he passed away, which I can't believe for a second, because how do you not give a state funeral on camera to one of the greatest American heroes? Right. Or B, he's disappeared somewhere. Maybe someone who he has a past association with took him somewhere. Maybe that place has advanced technology that can help him to arrest the aging process. Maybe they're up in space. I don't know. What I, you know, it could, it it could literally be anything. But I, I wonder if the reason that they're not talking about Steve Rogers is because number one, they want to keep their powder dry in case one day Chris Evans says, "Do you know what? To hell with it. Let's do another film." Um, but also rumored to have been to have happened. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. Well, and that that news story, like he denied it, and they all deny it because Tatiana Maslany denied she was She Hulk, and then. She was She-Hulk. <laughs> like, it is, mm. happens all the time. Uh, but the interesting thing to me is that that was uh, over the summer of last year or sometime during the pandemic, it was announced that he had signed on to do more stuff with Marvel. His He had renewed a contract for, like, a couple more projects. He denied it, but that was reported by actual news. Like, that was, like, mm. the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline and Variety that reported that. Not, like, yeah. we got discovered. <laughs> like, it was an actual <laughs> news site. So, uh, that I do think that there's some legitimacy to that. So, I do think mm. that he, whether the character is still old or if they're going to do something with him when he was younger, whatever, I do feel like he's going to come back in some capacity. I think the, the beauty of it is is that we've seen that he aged massively. So, at this point, if the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes for another 20 years, he could come back to it in 20 years and say, do you know what? I'm ready to do another movie. And they'll just be like, right, well, here's old Steve Rogers and we managed to use this technology to reverse the aging process, but we could only do it so far. So here's a 45-year-old Captain America who <laughs> is now head of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has been reformed. And I don't know, there's so many ways that you could go with that. That's the beauty of uh, speculation like this. And that's the beauty of the fact that we have another five weeks to do this kind of speculation yes indeed so and um, we and, and during those five weeks we're getting uh black widow we are so we'll probably do a special episode about black widow at some point uh depending on whether i can is that going to be cinema only or are they doing it disney plus as well do we know what's happening it with that? is uh in cinema and premiere access right so i'll have to go to the cinema to watch it then okay so i might get around to watching that i might not because I should be fully. I, I've been fully vaccinated. I'm just waiting for the two weeks to roll around so that oh, I. Then can, you should, yeah, you're good. So I, sh- I should be, be okay. Two weeks. Yeah. So yeah. we we may very well talk about Black Widow. It feels to me like Black Widow is one of the least must see movies, not because it's not going to be a great film or anything, but just because I don't think it directly will affect anything in the MCU. And of course, now I stand to be corrected. There's a record of me <laughs> saying that on the internet. I'm going to look like a fool <laughs> in a month's time. Absolutely. <laughs> and I have a record of being very, very wrong where you and me have had conversations about things, especially movies. So we'll wait and see on that front. But uh, that's going to do it for this uh, this first Loki special episode of the BS cast. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a little while. Um, all of the previous episodes are up on the feed, so you can listen back to... Uh, we've got 23 episodes prior to this one which are spaced over the course of, would you believe it, five years, almost six years at this point. Yeah, like we were not regular with this at all. We're going to be a lot more regular in the next few weeks. Thank you, everybody, for watching. For me and for Tyler, until next time, take it easy. Bye-bye.